In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by all the drunken gamblers in Europe. Welcome in to episode... I just messed that up. <laughs> Do it again. Ready? Brought to you this week by all the drunken gamblers in Europe. Welcome in to episode 37 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I am Chase. I'm Nick. This is the uh, this is one of those where you guys absolutely have no idea. That is true. But None considering the topic of the show, you had to be very careful here, and I can't think of a way that this could hurt us later. So no, what what is there's what no way about? to have silly introductions today. Yeah, well, not even in material that'll never make it to the air. We have to tread carefully, especially after the pre-show, which was loaded with landmines. Loaded with landmines, and good thing that two out of three of us believe in Calvinism, so we know we're still saved. Uh, something like that. If any of that material you ever hope. gets released, then... I've already repented. The best job any of the three <laughs> of us could ever find is something like working in a prison, picking up trash detail. Well, the... Uh, what is happening right if now? If that... All right, so the the drunken gamblers, by the way. So I, the the cool thing is sometimes I just you know have to research. Yep. What I want to say. So what do okay. you say? I learned a lot. Thirty-seven. It just depends. I mean, sometimes okay. I come across stuff. Sometimes I'll just you know yes, I will use the Google and try to learn new and interesting facts. One of the things that I learned this week about thirty-seven is that, um, and you guys may not know this if you don't do a lot of casino hopping, but the uh, standard. Roulette wheel here in the United States has 38 slots, but in Europe it only has 37. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, just in case, because they do not utilize the double zero. Fantastic. So well, there you go. Chase, when you go on your, your European cruise here in a couple of weeks. That will be good to know. With your good friends yep. and family. Yep. Nick and I'll be You're here. You're doing this right now. Nick, Nick and I'll be here with the general. Well, at least, David, at least David, Nick, and I eat lunch Next week, actually. together. And don't separate from Is it next week? So next week you're gone? Uh, No, I'll be here for the next episode. I will miss uh, 39. Episode 39 with the general while Chase cruises the the Caribbean in a Speedo. That's my wife and not a Speedo. Good. And the general was preaching, too. Save the other cruisers. At the Hall of Dogma Church. (laughs) Hey, we better get into this. uh, Get into the meat of the show. This This is one of those. Down very quickly. How do people get in touch with us? It's already went down. Now we need to bounce back. Yes. Bring us back. I'd like to point out you have been in charge the whole time. Twitter.com slash my gospel friends if you are still listening. Uh, if you think it's safe, the Hall of Dogma at hallofdogma.com. It's a Facebook group, so facebook.com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. We also have a few of uh, voicemail ways to leave us messages, but apparently the Hall of Dogma has become so popular, no one really does that per se. Uh, so no one knows how a phone works anymore. That they really true. don't. Don't call anybody. But it is fun to hear from international people. Yeah, and so if you if you are international and you want to leave us something, we, we really, uh, Chase enjoys the accents, so mm-hmm. speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Or if you're 
from the U.S. and just have a heavy accent, you could go in. Either one. And, and I would like to appeal Most to – ours, uh, ours are regional, though. They're not – I'm fine with regional accents. I okay. just like a little uh, local color. Um, I like hearing a good Yankee every now and then. Hey, hey, we got to get on to the show, Dave. This is the show. You saw us sitting around eating like we're at Waffle We're not House. eating yet. Th- okay. That's for the cereal review ahead, part. Dave. I do want to I'm ask my part. Oh, all of you, uh, all of you listeners out there, to think about charitably contributing an iTunes a review to us because that really helps us reach more people and it encourages everybody. And we'll give you a shout out on the air. Speaking of shout outs, we want to give a shout out to new listeners this week in Iceland, Tunisia, and Oman. Which I'm sure is not pronounced Oman, but that just sounds so much cooler than the real pronunciation. We're going to go with Oman. Do we have any lists? Oman. Okay. Iceland. Iceland, yeah. Iceland, nice. That's up on top of the world, right? It's you know not on top of the world, but it's getting there. Okay. And as the movie spectacular, The Mighty Ducks Part 2 taught us, there you go. Iceland is actually green. Indeed it is. And Didn't Greenland is actually icy. I like that. All right, Dave, what's on tap for you today? I have uh, just a couple of uh, topics that I thought we would find interesting. Good. Hopefully we'll have time to get to these. Um, we're going to discuss which method of baptism is correct. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, how long should a sermon be? Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss relational versus door-to-door evangelism. Okay. Must a pastor be present for communion? We're wow. going to talk about contemporary versus traditional worship. Okay. Uh, pre-trib versus post-trib rapture, which is correct. And That'll then, be fast. Finally, uh, dispensationalism, fact or fiction. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. What do you got? I'm excited. Uh, I only have a couple of topics. Uh, atheism in America, um, Roman Catholic theology in general. Uh, I wanted to do for the kind of the Ask a Pastor segment an exposition of the book of Exodus with some of that exegesis derived from the original Hebrew. Exodus? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's oh. kind of, you know, not too long. Um, is church growth a desirable goal for the modern church, essentially pitting together Donald McGavern versus uh, Christian Schwartz? Uh, how to know and prove <laughs> that the Bible can. is true? I- I'm almost done, Nick. I know you have oh, something to good. contribute to. Uh, staying saved in seminary. And finally, oh, that's good. I'm looking forward to that one. The importance of prayer, particularly in the first and second Great Awakening, the Shantung revival in the beginning of the 1900s. Somebody just tweeted us about that one this week, so I, I think that's why I added it in there. I think we'll just have to tack that one on. All right, Nick, what what do you, you have got? for your topics today? No need for sleep medication this evening. Oh, okay, sounds good. Sounds like a great topic. I hope we uh, get there after we get through all of ours. All right, Nick, thanks for delightful throwing that good out. Good job, yeah. Oh, it's, hey, you know. Chase, I can't help but uh, notice that you brought in some delicious tasting. Cereal today. Yeah, guys, I thought we, we haven't done a, a live uh, cereal review in quite a while. So the audience th- has been able to tell as you have chomped in their ear. Yeah, Dave, you've been eating the whole time. Sorry. I don't know why I'm calling you Dave today. I usually just Call do me that to aggravate. Rev Verbage. Okay, Rev. As all the Twitter followers do now that I've updated my account. Yes, I saw that. And you're the first hit now when you search for Rev Verbage on Google. At least you were for me. So, guys, I brought us some French Toast Crunch to sample today, and we'll give it a review. Uh, Number of spoons, one spoon to five spoon, with a one-spoon cereal being something awful like All Bran, and a (laughs) five-spoon cereal being something amazing like Oreo O's with marshmallows, which is the best imaginable cereal. So uh, I was too cheap to bring in some milk. 
Um, but we're just going to have to, you know, kind of eat it from scratch and then give our reviews. So, Nick, how about you go first? What do you think? It is as advertised, uh, French Toast Crunch. And, um, again, it was as advertised. It was it was good. I don't know that it will be my first choice, but it was definitely serviceable as a uh, cereal that I could eat and my wife would not be happy about, so I'm going to go with four. Of- <laughs> Wait, okay. So it gets an extra spoon just because Lisa would not approve. I well, look, anything that act- is actually enjoyable to eat, she usually kind of shuns she as it being okay. un- unhealthy. So, By the way, David, uh, I didn't know you were taking my picture for that uh, cereal box thing. I might Twitter. let me smile or something. All of Twitter. I look kind of dorky there. <laughs> well, No comment. I didn't want you um, – it's going to be a while. It's going to take me a while if I'm, if we have to get a picture you don't look dorky in. That's nice. Okay, so I'm going to go I'm with. I'm going to miss um, your nose. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Um, Did y'all see? Okay. Here, yeah, I saw it. Red Skull, the uh, dude from the Hall of Dogma that they they post in the Hall of Dogma. That's that, creepy. Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah, his nose looked messed up, man. The guy that did you go read the article? The mm-hmm. guy that okay. I just looked at the picture. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, the guy that's trying to look like Red Skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that. That Freaky. was in the Hall of Dogma this Very week. HallofDogma.com. So um, I'm going to give this as cereal that um, you eat just like this. This is a four out of five. Okay. And this is excellent. I could just sit and eat, which I've been doing since. Yeah, you've since, eaten a lot of the cereal I brought in. Which, by the way, apparently I, I, you know, I just reached my hand in the box and pulled some out. Yeah, and that kind cereal of freak, foul. Yeah, cereal foul. I kind of freak gross. chase out a little bit. So in the last I mean, month, I a party foul been? and a cereal foul. I have. I'm, I am. A, you told us off air all the gross things you've been touching with your hand here lately. So I don't want to think about that hand being in my cereal box there. Rev, oh. Rev verbiage also oh is Rev uncouth, apparently. Rev I have, nasty touching I things. No, Rev, I need hand sanitizer. I have, yeah, no, um, I, I have no uh, idea how to behave in society. But anyway. So I um I was trying to kill your app. To say four, four over five, Sorry. four out of five spoons on this. Now, if we had milk, I don't know. I mean, see, to me, cereal is different without milk. With well, with or without milk, like it has yeah. a different. There's this, some cereal I like better just like this. Well, but, this would have to be a low milk, like coating, not drowning cereal. Well, I hear you. Okay, but well, this really does taste like French. Yeah, it, is, has it does, and it has a really amazing. nice uh, cinnamon taste to mm-hmm. it. It's very impressive. You can really pick up some earthy tones of maple syrup. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it earthy tones. I did. did. I'm going to give it also, and I wrote this down before you guys said. I'm going to give it four spoons out of five. Here's why: only four. It's good, and it's good in milk. But when you look at it, it's amazing looking. It has a wonderful appearance. It really does look like tiny miniature French toasts, but it doesn't quite taste as great as it looks. It's good. It's better than good. Four out of five is is decent, but it doesn't rise to the level of an Oreos. Oreo O's or a uh, blueberry waffle O's, which are two five star cereals. So that's all I got. We will have more reviews later. If you have a cereal you want us to review, like Ann Tally suggested, we do Cheerios with ancient grains. I did eat it. I was underwhelmed, and I gave that a three and a half spoons out of five. Mm. Not bad, not great. If you have a cereal you want us to review, mail us a box of it mm-hmm. at um, the Hall of Dogma. Dot com slash or speakpipe.com <laughs> slash oh, wait. No, they, they actually have to mail it to us. Just put the Hall of Dogma Alabama on it, it'll get to us. Everybody knows where that's at. Absolutely. And uh, that would be ironic if people start sending us cereal. That would be wonderful, you mean. And ironic. 
as we have yet to fulfill our serial obligations. You yes. know what else would be ironic? What's that? The uh, rain on a wedding day. The headline this week, as we start with uh, "What Were You Thinking?" Episode thirty-seven. Woman tired of dating marries herself in elaborate ceremony. That's got to be a sin. You think? <laughs> Surely. After dating for several years and failing to find the man of her dreams, <laughs> she dated herself. A forty-year-old oh, woman from Houston, Texas, decided to marry herself in an elaborate ceremony that involved friends and family. Um, I don't. What? What? Yasmin Ellaby's wedding was quite similar to a traditional one, except the bride wore purple. There was no groom, and it was the Wait, bride. She wore purple, and it was the that is the traditional color for marrying yourself. It is, yeah. and it was the bride's mother, not her father, who walked her down the aisle. Since self weddings aren't legally recognized in the United States, which I mean, why not? We're legalizing all other kind of weddings. Why not self marriage? I'm personally not a, not opposed to this on biblical grounds. The uh, ceremony conducted by three ministers, uh, which three. I don't understand. <laughs> Apparently, Heavens. if you're going to marry yourself, you need more clergy. Yasmin, well, that makes uh, sense. I mean, you don't have a Yasmin made heartfelt <laughs> vows to forgive, honor, and love herself. Oh, jeepers! <laughs> okay, I've decided this is a sin after all. <laughs> after hearing that, that sounds like a sin. I was, so, is it a sin to love yourself? Honor yourself, forgive well, if that's yourself. That's the second plank of who your church is. <laughs> she, yes, it is look, a sin. She had a wedding cake. <laughs> she. Just, what is that advertisement? Oh, I don't I, I don't know. It's a ad block, David. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, seriously, what is that advertisement? Okay, I'm guys, sorry. focus on the story, not the advertisements on okay, the website. I still can't get past the ad to see the cake. Okay. Let me see. No, it was it. now Yasmin invited oh, friends and family from it's a all beautiful, over. It's a beautiful she dress. She said I was I was overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and support that was shown to me during my celebration of love and life. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, and she said she couldn't imagine the ceremony being any more poignant and wonderful. Who? Yeah, Yasmin had announced her decision to marry herself in May of 2013 on Facebook. How long was the engagement? Did you guys really think I would get married without letting anyone know? I want y'all to dance at my wedding so I wouldn't do it without you. Be ready for 2015. Since she loves to travel, Yasmin now plans to go on an extended honeymoon. Hey, that's one of the best benefits of marrying yourself is you get to take honeymoon. I hadn't thought of that. Warning signs. Warning. It's like the sign on the interstate. It's flashing. Danger ahead. Danger ahead. I'm I'm, okay. I'm, hey, I, I can't comment. I, listen, now. I'm just going to say, I in this day and age where it is it is hard to find a decent spouse. Um, did you have a hard time finding a no, decent I did. Spouse? I found one. But listen, please, say, keep, but please listen, go on. Listen, Let's see I'm how this saying, goes for you. I'm just saying, if things didn't work out between me and Allison, I think I would enjoy being married to me. I think you probably would too, David. That's not a surprise to either me nor Nick. Yeah, anybody who knows you, David, thinks that's a pretty safe bet. I'm charming. You are. You uh, you put your. You're not going to be offended at your spouse putting their grubby fingers in your cereal because no. you know you're doing it. You're. Delve, so I don't know. I don't. I don't see why this would be a problem. For I you. very rarely argue with me. I, also true. <laughs> also true. Yasmin says, "Don't be afraid to take risk." Uh, so it's not. Where's the risk took, in actually yes, not saying? Sorry. If you don't like yourself, can you divorce yourself? I don't. Oh, that would be That's a, a whole different, sort of different kind of. Okay. 
By the way, this concept is actually quite popular in Japan, where companies provide solo wedding services uh, meant for women who've always dreamed of getting married but haven't quite found the right man yet. Wow. You know what I really – I'm not surprised after the whole Japanese hug chair thing that we covered a few months ago. What I really find to be kind of sad about this is that um, that we we could have introduced uh, Yasmin to Bernard. Well, that because oh, that Bernard, is very true. Bernard is very lonely, and I mean, and when being I said, married to Bernard, and like most be, eligible bachelors, he does not keep this place clean. He does no. not. I think they would have got along fine. I think you're right. And when I said earlier that was a very pretty dress, I only said it because Bernard pointed it out first. He's shaking I was just his agreeing, head, agreeing no. with him. I'd, well, he's just being bashful now. Well, he's afraid we'll try to set him up. We'll find you the right. Imaginary lady, Bernard. Amen. Lonnie's hey up here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. he, he could help us with that. Nice callback, guys. Nice oh, callback. Right, you know, somebody, somebody brought it up with the Brian Williams stuff this week. I saw something about Brian Williams. and Brian, The Brian interview. Williams thing has hit Twitter. Like um, it's pretty funny. Yeah, there are people. Have you heard the Brian Williams story? I have. Okay, bit so, of a bit of a liar there. So there's a, there's people now posting things that Brian Williams supposedly you know happened or he recalled. It's funny. Like yesterday, I saw one. It was like I told Rosa Parks she could sit next to me. <laughs> oh, that's that's not good. Moses asked me to help hold his arms up. I did <laughs> see that one. I was that was amusing. So that was amusing stuff. All right, guys. You this don't week, publicly um, lie these days. We've got some. Uh, really we've got some extended too. humorous listener feedback coming up, where people in the Hall of Dogma attempted to come up with slogans for our new T-shirt, which is in the works. Nick uh, is uh, designing the shirt as we speak, and well, not like in Hold this on. very moment. Let me pull up Photoshop. And he is also um, getting <laughs> uh, getting prices and stuff. So the uh, long-awaited. Gospel Friends T-shirt will be here soon, and, and we have some people in the Hall of Dogma that we're making suggestions for the T-shirt. So we're going to go over those in listener feedback. Should be quite funny, but um, right now, Chase, it's time to uh, get into something a little bit more serious, I believe. Yes, very serious, very controversial. Could potentially get all of us fired. Seems like... Who hired uh, us? That's a good point. Seems like we need some sort of dramatic music for this. You but, know what? I don't think we we probably want to go down the road of theme songs for this segment. That's probably true. Okay, so here here's what we're going to do. We haven't done this in a while, weeks and weeks. But in the early days of the show, we had a, a segment called Take It or Leave It. It evolved into a different segment, and that segment evolved into something we called Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Deal. And so today we're going to play a little bit of Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Deal. BDLD. BDLD. Hashtag. Which Hashtag BDL. sounds like it would be bad, but it's Wait, not. Hashtag BDLD. Yeah. Yes, BDLD. So here's question one for us, guys. This week. Wait, the concept. You haven't given us the concept of the. I was going to explain that after the question, but I could do it before if that would satisfy you more. Oh, well, it just kind of seemed like you left things hanging out there. Good point. I'm okay. sorry. I'm not Everyone a professional has seen why David Merrick himself may have been a good idea. Indeed. Here's how BDLD works, edit point. Uh, what you want to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a story, explain it a little Can bit. Can you count yourself off on your taxes? That's an interesting – That is interesting if we were still on that the, segment. If the state but, recognizes it, I don't see why. 
Hey, hashtag free chase. Married one dependent. Me. <laughs> nice. I wonder if she's going to pull something like that. Well, see, you've distracted me. Look, that's the road we're headed down, by the way. When you, when you begin to redefine marriage, that's, that's where we're headed. People are going to be able to marry nine people themselves. Yep. Same sex, different well, sex. I don't think the marrying nine people is anything new. Well, nine is a lot of people. Look, mark my words, serious, mark my words. The day is coming. People are going to want to marry their animal. It's I thought happen. some of that's already happened. Well, yeah. now they're going to want legal recognition of like I think somebody married a rock. <laughs> well, that's a good plan. Well, as great <laughs> as not that, an, a rock is not an animal. Nick. Discussion is, guys. It's <laughs> time to play BDLD. And if you remember, BTLD stands for Big Deal, Little Deal, or No you Deal. Say BTL. BDLD. Okay. Now I'm hungry. Like for a BDLD sandwich. We'll get some more of <laughs> cereal. Please don't. I, I don't think Emmanuel likes it when we crunch too much on the on the on the air. General, that is quiet. your friend. So here's how BDLD works. I'm going to tell you a story. Hopefully, when are you going to explain the segment? To it, and then you're going to tell the listeners whether that's a big deal, a little deal, or not even a deal at all. How about that? Can okay? we do a segment on? No, is it sure. a big deal, little deal, or no deal to want to marry your animal? We'll do that in just a minute, Dave. Okay. But hang on. Awesome. But first, we're going to address the there was good never job. Any doubt. The uh, really the, this this topic could get us into some trouble. The topic is back, vaccines. We've had a big deal the last couple of weeks in in California in particular, where there's been a tremendous measles outbreak. A lot of people have gotten sick, most of whom, not all, most of whom had not been vaccinated, which has caused several Christians, Dr. Russell Moore, Jesse Johnson on Cripplegate, etc., to claim that. Part of following the second commandment of loving your neighbor is receiving vaccines. And if you don't receive vaccines, it it leads to less of what the scientists call herd immunity. If 90% of people in a given community are vaccinated, most of the time that community will be largely immune from diseases. If that number falls below 90%, herd immunity is not effective and people will get sick. Which is just a funny name, by the way. It is a funny name and it's obviously derived from animals and none of us believes that we believe that Humans are made in the image of God, which makes us not animals at all. Um, so I'm not crazy about the term, but uh, the science behind it seems very solid. So I'm asking you guys, uh, let's see, let me get you um, Russell Moore this week. He tweeted this out. Um, Herd immunity and eradicating disease is a matter of the public good. Life or death, vaccination is pro-life and pro-neighbor. David, I'll go to you first. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? The What Russell Moore said? What Russell Moore said in the current push by some Christians to urge vaccination. Uh, you know, I think, um, I think it's, it should not be a big deal, in my opinion, in the Christian community. Um, although um, I think it's being made into one. Um, so my my views would be this. Number one, I do I personally think that uh, you know we we vaccinate in my family, um, and I am for that. I personally, and th- this is my opinion, and I'm entitled to that, right? Yes. If I agree, with we'll it. see. Okay, awesome. 
So my opinion is that it is uh, it's it's beneficial, um, and uh, and not only is it beneficial, but I think that um, it's it's a a sign of God's common grace to us is that we have medicine. You stole that from somebody. Um, that is in an article that we read this week, that term common grace. Yes. But I, I will point back to something that article did not. Genesis 1, um, in, in, in where we're told to subdue the earth. So men, women are made, and they are told to subdue the earth. That word subdue. So if you subdue something, you enslave it and make it work for you. Essentially, God that is what God told us to do, to subdue creation get its natural resources and make it work for us. We were, um, creation was made for us. We were not made for creation. So um, anything that we can derive from creation that betters society and betters us, and, and as God allows by his grace for us to discover how to use more and more of the natural resources that he placed here, because that's what's happening. He's not putting new things here. It's all part of what he made. And if we can have medicines that control or obliterate diseases, then I think that is a sign of God's grace to us. And so I think it's beneficial to vaccinate. Um, what I don't think, and why I say it, I don't think it's a, it should be a big deal in Christian community, is because if you make the choice to vaccinate, or if you don't make the choice to vaccinate, I do not believe that should be a place for division in the body of Christ. It's not that big of a deal in the body of Christ that we should divide into two camps and not have unity in the church because some vaccinate and some do not. Interesting. I'm going to ask you in a minute, should it be mandatory? But first, I want to hear Nicholas's take. I Little deal, um, very similar. When you start making something a commandment issue that the commandment doesn't in itself articulate i think you're you're in dangerous waters of adding to or taking away from the word because then loving one another becomes your version of that and then all of a sudden you know kind of speaking to what we're talking about in the what were you thinking um well you know if you love me you want me to be happy and i'm happy if i do xyz depraved behavior and so, you know, to do that love your neighbor kind of thing, um, yeah, no. So you disagree with Dr. Moore that I do. I do. vaccination it, is pro-neighbor? Uh, no, I didn't say that. I, I was saying it's – I don't – I disagree with him that it's a, a commandment issue. That's it. I, 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 yeah, I mean that's what, that's what I'm saying too. Is it – I think vaccination is very pro-neighbor, but I don't think it's in violation – Non-vaccination is in violation of a commandment. I understand. Well, yeah, him saying that, look, I think to say, putting it his way, that, that's my issue is, is you know, we're, it feels like we're making a command there. Well, if you really loved each other, if you loved your neighbor, then you would, you would vaccinate or, you know, and, and that to me is just, uh, I mean, I understand why he's saying, he's saying it based on, number one, um, the you know, some of these diseases um, are starting to rear their head back again that were not an issue a few years ago. And so we're blaming the, uh, you know, those who are not getting vaccinated for that. But also, I think they're saying it because there's some people who can't get vaccinated. So there are there are ch- children, for example, who who are too young or have other 
diseases like, you know, cancer or something like that, and they can't get vaccinated. And so the point they're making is you should vaccinate because it's beneficial to you, but it's also beneficial to others who can't get those vaccines. Um, and um, they need to be protected from those diseases, and you protect them by vaccinating yourself to prevent you from getting it so you can't give it to them. So it's loving your neighbor to protect yourself. I, but I think it's just – that's – I'm nervous there when you, when you start using that type of um, wording to explain almost like it's – it's more like Jesus to get a vaccine, or it's less yeah. like Jesus to not. And, and I, I that I makes you nervous. That makes me nervous. I don't want to go down that that road. I don't. I don't think we have to apply that um, imagery. All right, take about thirty seconds each here, and then I'll, I'll give my take. Um, the, the government is talking about making certain vaccinations mandatory in certain situations. So let me give you a specific one. Should a handful, right? you know, maybe the most common, the most important vaccinations be mandatory for public school attendance. David, um, man, that's a very political question to me, and, and politics make me even more nervous than applying Jesus imagery to, uh, <laughs> to in articles. But um, I'm going to say no because um, politically, I'm, I'm pretty conservative, and, and my uh, look. Government mandating things and mandating more and more stuff, you know, at, at some point they're going to mandate things that I'm, you know, that, that really is intruding more and more into, yes. you know, look, we're a homeschool family. So then it gets into, well, you know, we need to mandate your kids to go to public school to make sure they get vaccinated and things like that. I mean, it's I'm, I'm not for more and more government mandates, even though I do believe it is in the best interest of people and um, society in general to vaccinate. David? I mean, Nick? Oh, you want me to go again? All right. No, so no, no. Wait, wait. Free uh, Nick. I, I'm sorry, it, was, it was a mistake. It was a no, mistake. No, no. Free I, Nick. I, I, no, it's fine. I, I, I have more to Cut say. I have Cut more to say. <laughs> I was distracted by a text from my wife about my sick daughter at the doctor. Well, which is kind of ironic. It is indeed. Right She's now, getting vaccinations. Just, <laughs> how do you feel about it? There you go. Go ahead, Nick. Should it be mandatory? Your Nick, wife should the government come teacher. to your front door, knock in the door, and give you shots uh, against think, your will? I think if that you're, I think if you're going to take, um, I think if you're going to take advantage of a, of a public service, and there's prerequisites to doing so that you are aware of, that you agree to before doing so. Um, I don't. I don't have a problem with mandating a specific set of requisites for that. Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, that you have to do for your child to take advantage of public school. Public school is not required um, for people. Um, it's a service. It's something that's available. And if you want to participate and utilize it, then uh, you know I don't mind having prerequisites for it. So, that's actually a very good point. He so, may have convinced me. I want to change my answer. No. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I think, like, no, I think you don't the get to way explain it. you can change it, you don't get to explain it. Yeah. Oh man, that was just my I, way of getting I, more time to talk. I know. <laughs> Good job. No, I think <laughs> you make a, a I think you make a great point. Um, mandating them. For, I, this is not what you said, but mandating vaccines. No, mandating vaccines if you want to use certain. Um, services, services like you're, public you're school. Gonna, yes. You're going to take thirty yeah. kids, stick them in a confined space for eight hours a day, five days a week, and then you're going to expect germs and things to not flow freely through that. Yeah. I, you're, you're naive. 
Um, and so I to do, to do some things to, again, heck, protect herd immunity. Was that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Herd immunity. Uh, I, I got a problem with that. Okay. I, w- I would agree. I would agree with that. I'm going to take the same position, essentially, uh, with with caution and with a little bit of fear. I'm okay with the government mandating certain vaccinations for certain services like public school. Okay. I'm a little worried about making it mandatory for for other instances. Here's the thing. Let, let me offer a little bit of balance, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who have an unhealthy conspiracy theory view towards vaccinations. You know, there's a passage in Isaiah 8 that talks about don't call everything conspiracy that this people calls conspiracy. There is a sort of application you can make to this situation. Um, It's stretching the text a little bit. John Talley uses that one a lot. Does he really? I've never heard that. Uh, But here's the thing. Essentially, we have a lot of people who have read a little bit of pseudoscience and think they're experts. And and that troubles me because a lot of the anti-vax people I see on Facebook and social media and places like that 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 I know personally – don't have the science chops to make the case that they're making. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying there's a lot of people spouting science that may not quite understand the issues at, at quite as good as they, they want to. I think Rand Paul, you know, he's possible, uh, he's a senator from Kentucky, possible presidential candidate. I think Rand has a pretty good take here. He says that he's pro-vaccine, but he's worried a little bit at mo- about multiple vaccines at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's worried that there are too many vaccines. I, I want to say uh, just the science that I've looked at, and I'm no scientist, but I, I'm, I'm fairly well read on the subject. I think there's some truth to that. I, I worry about the abundance of vaccines that they're giving in this day and age and the uh, the number of vaccines you get on one doctor visit. Our kids, uh, I've mentioned it before, our kids got whooping cough in 2013. Every one of them were vaccinated against it. Vaccines don't always work. 2009, uh, the swine flu scare. And 2014, neither one of those vaccinations for the flu were effective. So I worry a little bit about the government making things mandatory, and I worry a little bit about the conspiracy theorists because it seems like neither side particularly knows what they're talking about. Well, and it, it, I, th- I think you have a lot of. By the way, I'm just getting more cereal. I'm just I'm not, make the noise, I'm David. Not gonna, crunch and yeah, pour. I mean, I wish I had a visual of the gymnastics David was trying to do to avoid. I'm not going to pretend anymore. There. Look, here's the um, so much for us being a number one podcast. Here's the we'll be well we'll be number two and have good cereal. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. Um. The well, just Nick just poured all over his MacBook. What'd you just no, say? No MacBook. No. I don't know. I think we're talking about vaccinations. Oh, okay. Um. I, I'm worried. Oh my gosh, that's crunchy. <laughs> I'm worried about the conspiracy theorists on one side that they don't okay. really understand the science enough, and the government and the vaccinators yes, on the other thank side that they're pushing too many people, vaccines. People read stuff on. Look, people read things on the internet. Read things on Facebook. I'm not going to go get a vaccine. Why? Because it's dangerous. Why? 
I read it. I mean, that's you know. Where did I'm you not, read it? There's a plural life look, argument there too. Are, there are people who are saying, I, "Look, I know there are people who did the research." I'm not trying to offend anyone. There are certainly people who just g- get vaccines because the doctor says, "Hey, you need this," and they don't ask any questions. And I have heard personally of even here where the Hall of Dogma Church in this city of doctors who apparently used, or at least a doctor at a particular hospital who used an unethical practice to try to force. A vaccine by basically telling a pa- parents that uh, you know this newborn baby has to have this vaccine or, or he can be taken from you, which is a lie. It is. And Same so it, exactly. So look, both sides. I'm not. You know, I, I am not saying don't ask questions. I'm not saying don't um, don't research. But you know, I've looked into it. The best I can tell, and is that there is no hard, fast, concrete evidence um, that vaccines cause some of these other issues that that they say they do and that um the fact is that even even if they possibly lend themselves it's it's a small percentage versus something like smallpox coming back which you know i know they don't give that vaccine anymore but it's because it essentially was eradicated in much of the world due to a vaccine and I think about how many parents and grandparents back in those days prayed and prayed and prayed for there to be an answer to this epidemic of smallpox that was that was threatening the lives of their kids and grandkids. And to me, there was an answer uh, to that to that prayer. And so I just think to say, "Oh, it's a vaccine; it's bad," um, is is you know, it's not doing your research. It's not thinking in a reasonable fashion. The same as probably just saying, oh, sure, whatever the, you know, the doctor says we need, we'll, we'll take without doing research. Yes. But listen, I, there are people who, you, you may get angry there, but, but this, is, this is just us having a discussion, right or wrong, about vaccines. This is not an issue of brother and sisterhood in the body. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that happen in churches and in the Christian community um, where there are people who are separating into different camps over this issue. And well, Russell is, Moore was raked over the coals by a lot of Christians right. for that tweet. I have my view on it. You may have your view. That's fine. We can differ. We don't have to be mad at each other, and we don't have to split over it. And 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 mm-hmm. and moving into different camps. And this is what this is happening a lot. So you've got in the church, you've got a vaccine camp over here and people who don't vaccine over here. And you got people who eat whatever they want over here. And then people who eat, you know, only healthy food over here. And in it, there's just so many divisions kind of in the body. Uh, and we have to be very careful of that because the, God's call for unity is far greater than our opinions on these issues. There you go. I respect, I'll say this, I respect parents to make the decision about vaccinating your child. But this is what I would exhort you to do, parents. Make the right call. Uh, Honestly, science-wise, some of these vaccines are beneficial. And I'm aware of the studies and the arguments and all of that. There's definitely risks. There's risks in anything. Literally anything you do, there's risks. But I think in some of these vaccines, the, the risks are outweighed by the benefits. Make the right call. Don't just do your homework on conspiracy sites. Don't just do your homework on anti-vaccination sites. I know there's a pro-life argument here, and we're all three extremely pro-life. I'm, I'm, you know, I've read the pro-life argument. I, you know, I think a lot of people overblow it a little bit. Um, essentially, it, it's... 
it is there is some there are some definitely some bad ethical issues on how some of these uh, vaccines were originally sourced, but there are not human cells from aborted fetuses in vaccines today. It doesn't work like that. Um, do your homework, but but do your homework in a broad sort of sense with a uh, you know get deep understanding on this. All right, guys, second topic. And, you know, we welcome your feedback. We may be right on some things, wrong on some things. uh, But I think David's exhortation to be in unity is a good idea, a really good idea there. All right, second question. I'm going to give you a quick one on this, guys. A lot of Christians, especially women, are going to be heading to the theaters in the next couple of weeks to see Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie. Do you consider that a big deal, a little deal, or a no deal? Slight interjection before we answer. Uh, in the pre-show prep, um, it became apparent that uh, we know some people listen with kids on. Um, we didn't feel like we could avoid this topic, especially with as much conversation there was even in the Hall of Dogma on it. Uh, we will handle it with as much uh, respect and uh, well, you don't want to say dignity because I don't know that yeah. we're very dignified. We're, we're going to try to be as we could avoid cl- it close to chase didn't want to close to keeping the clean tag as possible. But it's it's mature content, and so just be aware of that as we go forward. We need if a, you have kids listening with you. We need like a nice. little thing for that, like a some kind like of like an uh, alarm sound or whatever. Well, uh, yeah, a sound like you know mature content ahead. Yes, we need that. Can it be a, a steamboat whistle? Like I was thinking a tornado siren. <laughs> I like that one too. Hey, Bad memories answer. You need to see that. I saw the uh, why why from, you why you know let Nick speak. That's from Funky I just Stick Man. That, he's, by the way. he's sticking up for you, man. Yeah. Oh, the, nice. The, uh, hashtag Free Nick is um, all over the Twitter. Nice. All right. So Love big deal, guys. little deal. Appreciate that. Big deal, a little Twitter. David's talking. Twi- no, it's just it, Nick's going first. Big oh, deal, oh, a little deal, Nick. I was making a joke. Many Christian women are going to see Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, monument size deal, David. Mm. You get, you, you're actually supposed to explain. He wants to eat cereal. <sighs> this, by the way, this is Emmanuel just turned off the the show because <laughs> of the second crunch, of the crunching. Well, that and he's reading Fifty Shades of Grey. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we promised dignity and well, not dignity. But, oh, I'm sorry. All right, Nick. In fairness, we haven't got into the topic yet. This okay. is your this is your this is your time to shine. You've been freed. Fifty Shades of Grey, go. <laughs> you Thanks, get to run down the field David. with this football. <laughs> Don't fumble. There. I'll go. You kind of put no, him on the spot there. He All looks right. a little monumental deal. Why? It is. Um, it, there's so many parts to this. Um, you know, we was it on Faith Today that we talked about uh, a certain movie uh, catered towards women? Did we not talk about, about Fifty Shades of Grey? The book, people. On... Yes, named Michael. Yes, was that Faith Today? Oh, that was Faith Today. Okay. I thought we talked, I think we talked about, about Fifty Shades of Grey. We because, uh, there was a we talked about this on the old Faith Today podcast we did because there was a hotel chain. I think replacing in Europe the Bibles. that was replacing right. the Gideon Bibles with the um, a copy of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. So gracious, yeah. I, I think it's. I mean, again, you know, to say big deal, I don't believe um, is completely covers it. Um, and, and here's the thing: because for as long as I can remember, since um, sex was a topic I was old enough to hear about in church, it has been brought up for guys. 
and it has just not been addressed uh, in a public setting that I'm aware of for, for women. And, you know, even my wife has talked about how, you know, when she was a teenager, she would read some of these quote unquote romance novels that had nothing to do with romance. Uh, they were, they were absolutely, you know, what they said, an unrealistic view of marriage. And these were kind of popular Christian authors that moms would let Christian moms would let their Christian daughters read. And she talks about how even that undermined what marriage, what a man should do, what a woman should do to her, that no man could ever meet this standard. Now you've taken, you know, I'd take a hundred of those over the kind of man they're glorifying in this book is, is someone to be sought after and, and achieved. And I read, you know, I've got an article that we can, we can, Come back to you later. I'll just put in the notes one, but it was um, fightthenewdrug.org, and it's five things Fifty Shades of Grey teaches about sex. And it really kind of sums up some of the things I'm concerned about. Um, it, it teaches about sex being for pleasure, having nothing to do with love or romance. Um, it talks – it teaches girls to – basically um, the, the male character – I won't even call him a protagonist in this book um, – is uh, – he has a sordid past or um, a broken past, and you know the girl wants to fix him. And it shows that you know put up with whatever type of abusive behavior long enough, and he may change. And I don't know about you guys, but as fathers of daughters, no. Um, and then uh, then it teaches guys you can do whatever sexual violence you want to a girl, and she'll love it. Mm-hmm. And so it it completely undermines. What, a, what healthy sex should look like for both genders to me. And so that, not just f- Christian women, but any, you know, men or women going to see it, it just scares the, the tar out of me. Mm. A right. Monumental deal. I like that answer. Good job. All right, Nick. so. Can I talk more next episode, Dadgummit? That's why you have so many fans. I don't know. We Because you're pretty good at this. We have to. Get I mean, the we, feedback. Well, we have to go to the film room later in the week, chasing all graded out. We'll break it down, you know, see just how you see, grade we'll, it. We'll come back. Just kind of see how it goes. Let me by know the way, I like the, the edit of the episode, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. We forgot about just, that part. I'm just reminded of pre-show material that doesn't need to make its way to the airwaves. Also a good By point. the way, in the Hall of Dogma, Kevin um, Small posted um, an idea to free Nick, hashtag free Nick. Nick could live tweet the show while they're recording. And Emmanuel said, there's already two hosts not paying attention during recording that we really want to <laughs> So that was awesome. That's very weird. All right, so man, so much to say here. I I think for so your much question to say was here, Christian. Oh your your that's, question that's was Christian women, right? Christian women. Is it a big deal? Yes. That many Christian, many women identifying as Christian will be going Ooh. to see the movie. Ooh. Okay. Wow. I'm just saying. All right. I'm not yes, saying that's. You lose your I, salvation I agree with it, Nick. Monumental deal. If the yeah. question had been women going to see Fifty Shades of Grey, big deal or little deal, I would probably say little deal. In other words, outside the church, not surprising. Not surprising. Not and okay, not I, surprising. But you still say it's a little deal. Like yeah, wow. Outside, look, it's 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 not. There's outside the church. I, you know, Paul seems to say, "Who am I to judge outside the church?" So, I mean, we could talk about it from a from a moralistic standpoint, but I don't know that we have the. You know, no, that's fair. I, I don't know okay. that we have the foundational place moralistic. to stay. Yeah, moralistic, I and think that, we could. But, but that is some of the things but, this article talks about. But that's there's what I'm so much about. in society, that, and, and that's the point. I mean, society is rolling downhill 
in degradation and depravity and it's it's you know since the fall of man it's it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and it's going to continue to do that and um and so books like this just amp up my concern for the safety of women in the world in which we look, live and that's I, i'm not that's saying it's good right, i'm just right, saying like if, if the question yeah, yeah. was hey you know should we as christian pastors is it a big deal or a little deal that women in culture are going to see this movie i'm going to go I'm saying little deal from a standpoint of yeah. it's um who are I mean we that to judge outside? Well, who are we going to say outside the church who are we to say and it's I mean I could probably point out four or five six seven things in society just off the top of my head sure. that's happening right now that's on that same level so I'd be like you know why are we picking yeah. on this one but um no in the church is where we're talking and I do think it's a monumental deal and um, there, there was a couple of things you said there I found very interesting I, I do question whether or not by the way we have you just mentioned sex being for something other than love and and romance and i realized you were quoting the uh that yeah, article. i'm using this the I, I wonder pleasure. i wonder you know it's a different question for a different day but i wonder kind of how much you know romance has to be tied to sex did god mean for that you know i mean he meant it for um carrying on the the human race he meant it for more than that because he made it pleasurable and it was to happen well, Chase, uh, would you like to? <laughs> would you like to? Just me? Gonna Chase is watching some television. Yeah, I was not during the middle of the. Uh, I was looking at the notes. Uh, it just popped up. So he made it for having more kids. He made it pleasurable, and it is supposed to happen, I believe, inside the context of a marriage. But kind of wonder if we've romanticized it. In other words, you've got men. Have we romanticized too sex? much? Too much. Too yeah. much. That's a, that is an interesting topic Look, for another you've day. You've got men who watch pornography yes. their whole life. On the get episode married, of David get married by himself without get, Nick or Chase anywhere nearby. Look, men watch pornography, get married. Yeah. Their whole imagery of sex is what they've Based watched in porn their whole life. Right. Take women who've read romance novels their whole life, get to marriage, and they expect sex to look like that that they've read in the romance novel. So that's my point. Now, are we talking about romance novels or are we talking about Fifty Shades of Grey? I'm talking about those I'm are just, two uh, I, d- I was just, I'm you're sorry. Saying that I'm on a rabbit trail about that you're quote. You're, you're making, we, you're well, making let me read the whole point. quote. Just to, sex is completely for pleasure and all love slash romance should be removed from the situation. And I think what that speaks to is in this book, and, and I'm, I'm using this because I don't know of another word for it, but she is effectively a sex toy for him. I agree. At his whim, yes. at his will, I, without any concern for her. And I don't yes. think that's what the Bible speaks to in no, terms it of does not. marital It does sex. not. I was just making the comments, picking right. up on a rabbit trail on the little thing he said about, you know, removing you can, romance yeah, from yeah. it. And it, I, I think we've, just like pornography makes it out, it makes women out to be objects. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think romance novels make... Um, Make it to where men are supposed to behave, act a certain way in order to, um, in order to, um, you know, how they're supposed to act in the relationship and 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 to receive the reward of sex, if you will. So, yeah. okay. Now, having said that, Fifty Shades of Grey takes it a step further because it, it is taking that not just romance, but that picture of um, what is it, uh, BDSM, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, um, never can remember those acronyms. Was probably a good thing, but um, it, and it's making that to be something acceptable. Uh, it is promoting, obviously, sex outside of marriage. Obviously, sex in a way the Bible hasn't intended. 
it to be. And, um, you know, I think this is, this is just where, you know, I, I think that we are without, I'm going to go to my fundamentalist roots for a moment. Uh, and, uh, and just say, I think that we sometimes blur the line way too much between Christians and non-Christians. They're, we are called to holiness. We are not called to holiness to be saved. We are not called to holiness to gain God's love. We are called to holiness because we have been saved. We are called to holiness because God loves us and because we love Him. And and the Bible uses language that, that we are, the church should display God's manifold wisdom to um, the earth and, and, and beings in heavenly places. And we are the church and the people of God are a light on a hill. And so there is supposed to be a difference. And when we in the church are flocking to a movie or, or reading a book like this, just like everyone else in culture, I think that's, I, you know, I, I don't think that's right. Now, I, I don't think it's right. Let me read, I'll come back and let Chase comment. But I, Ephesians 5 3. That but, was part of my talk. Oh, we'll, go, well, you go ahead. No, no, I was just kidding. Go okay, ahead. Ephesians 5.3. But sexual immorality, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Must not even be named among you. So there is an abstention to these things that we are supposed to hold ourselves to. And, and so I think it is a big deal when we flock to movies and books like this, um, just like culture is doing. I agree. But prior to these books coming out, say 2012 and and before, the best-selling fiction erotica books would sell in the neighborhood of 80,000 or so copies, rarely if ever over 100,000. Once Fifty Shades of Grey was produced and and, and, uh, began to take hold, it's sold millions of copies. It was the number one best-selling book overall in 2012. It was the number two best-selling book overall in 2013. And the mainstreaming of what is is erotica, is pornography, liter, literary pornography, the mainstreaming of that has been, one, I think, one of the huge side effects. You know, back in the day, you would never see a person out in public reading pornography, pornographic literature. You might see a Harlequin romance or something like that, but never something to the level of this book. And and today you are, and you see it a mainstream movie that that uh, there's some predictions that it's going to make in the neighborhood of a hundred million or even more dollars and be one of the blockbuster hits of the year. I think it's a big deal uh, overall for society. I, I think it's uh, ushering in a new era of allowance, even in secular society, a new era of the acceptance of pornography and pornographic literature. Here's the thing for for Christian women that are thinking about seeing this and that are wrestling with it. Ask yourself the question, would you be okay? And I think I even said this years ago on Faith Today. Would you be okay with your husband looking at pornography? Because this is female pornography. This is the equivalent of female hardcore pornography. And you might say, well, no, no, there's no pictures in it. It's just a book. Well, it... It this kind of thing romantically, erotically, sexually lights up a woman the way visual stimulus lights up a man. It's pornography for females. 
And I think most Christian women, even most women that really aren't Christians but identify themselves as Christians, and even most people that aren't even Christians at all wouldn't want their husband looking at hardcore pornography. But this is much more accepted than that. And uh, as you said, David, the Ephesians 5.3 call for not even a hint of sexual immorality. This is not just a hint. This is a blaring megaphone of it. And and I'm not saying we should go get our sandwich boards on and our big signs and boycott Fifty Shades of Grey. That would give more attention to it. Mm -hmm. I am saying, though, interpersonally, if you're listening to this show and you're into this stuff – Check check yourself. Check, you know, think about that. Consider it in light of the word. Well, and I, th- I think that that's um, you know, you know, we, there was some hall of dogma comments that they got talking about this article, and I read through the comments. And I think that was what a couple of people were saying is that, hey, look, this is, you know, what I'm I'm not in favor of this movie, but what I'm not in favor is of, of another Christian r- witch hunt. In other words, that this mm-hmm. becomes the next. Um, I don't know, you know, boycott Starbucks because they're they're yeah. Let's go pick at Starbucks. Oh, that would be bad promoting the publicity alone. Well, I mean the publicity, and 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 that's where I am saying I, I don't I, I don't think to a watching world and to unsaved people we should be on a witch hunt about the next um, you know this movie or that. I, I do think we should have a voice in culture. I do think that we we've got to speak truth. I do think we have to shine a light um, because I think the Bible calls us to that. One of my favorite. You know, passages of scriptures from Isaiah that talks about, you know, you you are, um, you know, arise and shine where your light has come, you know, where in the glory of the Lord uh, will rise upon you and nations will come to your light. We are supposed to present a different picture and a different light to the world. And so I and so but I think inside the church, that's why this needs to be different. Um, you know, and, and I think it is fine. I don't know. I I was a huge friends fan. Um, huge Friends fan years ago. The um, TV sitcom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just huge. And um, uh, my wife and I, would we would watch it all the time. This huge. I think we back had on almost, Netflix for you. It, well, see, and that's it. It's back on Netflix. And so we started kind of going back and watching it from the beginning. <laughs> and I mean, just the first couple episodes, I was like, ah. Like, I, I was finding it really hard to enjoy because there were just things that I just realized, man, this is funny, but it's glorifying mm-hmm. these things that, that God is just so opposed to. And, um, you know, I didn't need someone to tell me that. I didn't need, you know, yeah. the, the church police to show up at my house and, and wag their finger at me. I mean, I just kind of felt from the, from the Holy Spirit like this, ah, man, I really wish that wasn't in there. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I can't enjoy this the way I, I, I used to enjoy it. Yeah. And there's something to me about... Um, the outfits don't help. <laughs> yeah, there's something to me about, like... Yeah, like a, a Christian woman, and I'm not trying to sound judgmental. I'm just speaking pastorally. If someone came to me and said, you know, is this a big deal that that that, that we were to go see this? I go, yeah. I mean, why? I mean, especially if you know what it's about and you read ahead of time what this is about. This is There's nothing redeemable about this story or what this story is. It is fantasy, and it is fantasy of of you know, real depraved. And, and one of the articles that we read um, in prep for the show, I think they made a great point. They were talking about in churches today, there's this huge push for raising awareness and money to combat sex trafficking. Mm. Yet we would then go pay movie to money to see and be entertained and promote a movie that is essentially also promoting a type of 
enslavement. Well, not just promoting it, but glorifying, glorifying it. it and making it into something that is desirable, desirable, and, and, that you and, want. and younger women reading this, and maybe teenagers reading this, and this becoming something that they began to fantasize about, and and so we're we're. Let's raise money to obliterate this epidemic all across the world, but then I'm going to go pay money and, and help this make money. I just – no, I mean is there a better way? I think there is a better way, and that, that's you know, to abstain from those types of things. Let them not even be named among you. Yeah. Uh, one of the articles and, – and this was partially uh, triggered by a post in the Hall of Dogma by Chris Atwood. And one of the other articles that were posted, I don't remember who actually posted it. It was uh, it was a very good well, – I thought it was a pretty good article, Jenny Ray Armstrong. Um, and maybe that was posted by Chris too. But anyway, she says that uh, the sales of erotica just in the last quarter, literarily speaking, have surged 250%. That is remarkable for one quarter growth uh, – Quarter over quarter growth, as you would say, it's just mind-boggling. What were you going to say, Nick? Well, I was going to pose a question to you guys, and so I don't, I don't want to interrupt your thought necessarily, but um, I, I guess I have a pastoral question, but it, I, I want to frame it more as a: How would you talk to a brother in Christ, or how would you uh, advise your your wife to talk to a sister in Christ if this were the situation? But the fact that porn has been an epidemic in the church, for better or worse, is no doesn't come as a surprise to any of the three of us at this table. And it seems like the world is now giving ladies porn just in a in a manner that just it's kind of what you're talking about. It's just right down the strike zone of what appeals to them. Yep. We talked about it a little bit long ago, and I kind of want to revisit, but. How would you all counsel or direct someone who basically they're given their their wives or their you know uh, girlfriends and you know fiancés a pass on this because hey honey you know I, I'm struggling with porn and, and I do the best I can but I just sometimes I just need it it doesn't mean I love you less and you know this appeals to you so I'll let you have this and I'll have my thing. And it's it's almost like a, a give and a take, a balancing act of you get your porn and I get mine. Because hmm. I'm afraid I'm afraid of that. And I've actually heard a, a couple that I know that, that profess faith in Christ. One of the members of the, the the couple basically said that that hey, you know, I need this for sexual fulfillment, so I let them have what they need to. I was floored when I heard it, and I I was a little bit dumbfounded. But I'm afraid that's I'm afraid that's a battle we're going to have. Battle, but I'm afraid that's something that's going to be more prevalent. I I know I, you know I know what you're saying. It's kind of a quid pro quo. I'll let you uh, I'll let you have your pornography if you let me have my Fifty Shades of Grey, my my yeah. literary pornography. Um, you know, you apply that to anything. You know, I'll let you have your cocaine. You let me have my heroin, et cetera. It's, it's destructive. It's destructive to a marriage. Uh, it, it is not the kind of thing that you can do lightly and come out of it thinking, hey, this fulfills me. That fulfills my wife. Uh, we're all happy here. Well, no, no. It's, it's, it's sin. It's devastating sin. It's destructive, and it will ultimately war against your sexual – the sexuality of your marriage. 
it will not improve it. It will detract from it. Um, I think Christians sometimes are a little tight, too tight on, on sexual things. There's not an, enough uh, adventure or imagination or creativity there. But this is is dangerous and damaging. You know, in the same way, again, it's very similar to to a heroin or, or whatever. Maybe it makes you feel good a little bit in a brief time, but it's deadly. It's a deadly poison. It'll kill you. And if a husband kind of, quote, allows his wife to do this, he is allowing something that is waging war on the marriage. If a wife allows her husband to I, – I mean I guess there are men that read these books, but allows her husband to engage in um, – Pornography. She's allowing things into the marriage that's that's highly destructive. I will say this. I know David has something to say too. I don't think the ideal accountability. How do you know David has something to say? I know you. Okay. I don't think the ideal accountability (laughs) partner for a husband or a wife is their spouse. Um, I don't think every man that's that's uh, caught up in pornography. Wives often take this as a personal insult. It's an insult against God. It's not necessarily an insult against the wife. I totally understand why a wife would take that as an insult. Mm. Similarly, I could totally understand how a husband would be very offended and hurt that his wife is all wrapped up into romantic literature or erotic literature or whatever. But first of all, God God is the one who's offended. I don't think husbands and wives should be each other's accountability partner. I think you should have men in the church that challenge other men to holiness and uh, the same with women. Yeah, um... So, and, and I, I I agree with that. I you know I will say that I, you know, I had a friend of mine who was recently kind of telling me that he had found that for some of his battles, like true breakthrough was coming in confession to his wife. Oh, and I'm not and ruling that was, out. I'm yeah. saying primary accountability I got you. partners, I got you. not not secondary or tertiary okay, or whatever. You, it's you, not you, yeah. something you don't talk about with your wife. That's not at all you. what I'm saying. Well, and that was that was kind of intriguing to me and kind of eye-opening and, and um, you know, how he put that. But, uh, you know, it, it's uh, – to, to you know, to Nick, to your question, yeah, I think, I think it's just like an unhealthy place. And I think that we're – here's the lie is that you have to, in order to enjoy the marital fruit – as we have called it before, that you have to have all of these outside things, that you have to have the movies, you have to have the books. Hmm. Um, and, you know, God designed sex. He made it. He gave it to us as a to be held in the context of marriage, and it was a gift, and he made it pleasurable not just for having children. And I think to say, well, that's not enough. We need the outside help from the movies and the books to, you know, to get us to that place is to say, well, what God gave was not enough or God didn't give you the ability to enjoy it. And I think that's just a perversion of the gift. I think it would be the most pleasurable based on how God intended it to be. And you don't need those outside things. Um, to, to make it such. So, you know, and, and I do realize that, that even when people listen to it, it just seem like we're coming off as fundies um, that just, you know, well, you, you shouldn't, you know, Christians can't have fun or can't have be entertained or they can't watch TV or listen to music. And I don't think any of us think those things. We all enjoy uh, good, creative things uh, and movies and shows and sometimes we'll watch things and come back to each other and just say ah, yeah, you don't need to watch that or oh yeah that's mm-hmm. that's pretty good here's what you need to watch out for and things like that but I, I just don't think it's it's being a you know 
a a hardline fundamentalist to say there's a difference, there should be a difference, and we have to watch what we're allowing ourselves to partake in. Let me read one more passage, First Peter chapter one. Just listen to this passage, First Peter chapter one, beginning in verse thirteen. Here it is: Prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So what Peter points to is... Set your minds on Jesus. Think about Christ. Think about Him. Be sober-minded. And as you do that, don't be conformed to the passions of your flesh. There is a different and new way to live because of the revelation of Jesus in your life, and that is that, that as you strive for holiness. You strive to think more about Christ. And, and you strive for the things of Christ. And, and that is going to lead you away from some things. And I personally think don't don't want to be the Holy Spirit to people, but I personally think this is one of the things that would lead us away from. I don't think you're the Holy Spirit to people when you're calling on them to cleave to the Word of God. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we use that expression, you know, a fair amount. People say, you know, you're not my Holy Spirit. Well, no, I think David is just reminding you about the Word. And and anyway, all right, last one, guys. We we have to do this in about ten minutes or less. Uh, but this is just kind of continuing in the controversial theme. <laughs> is it a big deal, little deal, or no deal that Carlos Flores of the Witherspoon Institute this week suggested that transgenderism is, quote, absurd? Let me give you kind of a, a backup of the story. Um, he refers to a young man named Joshua Alcorn. Joshua committed suicide in late December of last year. Um, Joshua was born a male. He wanted to transition to a female. He used the name Leela. Part of the reasons why he cited uh, for his suicide was that his parents were discouraging him from trying to become a girl. Carlos Flores, commenting on this, referred to Joshua as a boy. He says, the reason I'm doing this is simple. Joshua was, was not a girl. He was a boy. And to address males with female pronouns or females with male pronouns is to contribute to our culture's confusion about sexuality and the nature of the human person. No amount of surgical mutilation of body parts, effeminate behaviors, or artificial appearances can make a man a woman or a woman a man. And he goes on to say, LGBT activists will say, yes, it's true that Joshua was biologically a male, but you have to understand our claim. We contend that his sex was a male, but his gender was female because he identified as female. And I'm almost done here. Um, Carlos Flores said that we can consider two analogies philosophically to realize that transgenderism is absurd. Analogy number one, suppose a Caucasian man from Finland named Gunther suddenly decides to identify himself as being of sub-Saharan African descent. Suppose further that, in light of this, he undergoes unusual procedures to have his skin darkened, and his skull bone reshaped to resemble that of individuals of sub-Saharan descent. Does this make Gunther, simply because he desires desires to be not Finlandish, uh, but sub-Saharan, does this make him as such? Of course not, 
says Carlos Flores, and his identifying as such does nothing to change this. He gives one more example. Suppose suddenly that a 70-year-old man named Bob comes to desire to identify himself as a 16-year-old and begins to dress that way and get makeup and various surgical procedures <laughs> to appear that way. Is it rude or bigoted to tell the man you are not 16 years old? Your identifying as such doesn't change this fact, and we will not indulge you in your delusions by not calling attention to your old age and pretending that you are a 16-year-old. So again, the question, is transgenderism absurd? <laughs> Is is trans? Are we allowed to? Could we give like um? Can we go around the table and give like the the first response, flesh answer, and then come back around to a more sound? That sounds a little dangerous. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. Go ahead. Let's see how this works out. For well, you. no, it's it's just kind of a, because my first response, even when I saw this article, is s- similar to what he's saying. It it's my first response is this this is absurd. You know, I, my wife. I had to take one of our kids to the doctor recently and went to one of the, the went to the specialist and so she she took a picture of the form that they gave her to fill out cuz you know when you go to a doctor for the first time you know they give you the form medical stuff and so at the top it had gender male female other so like i mean that's that was the you know check one of these yeah, three there were three that. options you know male female or other and i do realize there are people who actually have that you know physical issue uh, are born that way physically. But, you know, it, it seems like culturally that's starting to come in now where you get to decide your gender. There's people who are teaching that. You you decide. It's not your anatomy that decides your gender. It's you decide your gender. You're, you're male or female based on, on, on how you feel. And so, no, my first response is no, you're not. You're male or female based on how God created you. And there's a real easy way to tell. You just... It's one or the other, and that's really kind of what I want to go to. But And by the way, we're very well aware that there are some individuals that are born with yes. both parts, but that is an extreme rarity. I, I say that, David, because there will be people that will email us and say, well, what about those people? We're not talking about, about those people. We're talking about the vast majority of people in the transgender movement, which are born one sex, desire to be another sex. Go ahead. Yes, I, I'm. I'm not laughing because of that. I'm I didn't laughing. hear you laughing. I'm laughing. I'm. I'm. Well, I'm smiling because I had already said that, and neither one of you were listening. <laughs> I was, but here's here's also the thing. <laughs> so I you was, went back. I was clarifying. You went back and repeated what I had already said. I was saying it better because y'all weren't that? listening. Sorry, bud. Oh, okay, so anyway, was, no, we were listening. <laughs> I agree totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree we totally listening. with what y'all are saying. Y'all are, you know, and I. We called. So we fine. really called Chase Captain overly cautious. Uh, okay. Crunchy. All right. And so Thank you. I maintain. <laughs> I maintain. You guys don't listen when I talk. Free David. Hashtag. We get to hear so, it so anyway, often. Anyway, we. Uh, <laughs> how about listen? We're to We're inoculated David? against it. How about listen? You might to say. David. Okay, I agree wow. with you. There are some people. As this will be the third time, there it's are not a some people who have it's a matter that. Of acknowledgement because it's a fact. It is a fact, so you don't have to agree. Oh, and we probably no. should mention that there are some people born. <laughs> oh wait, keep going. So, uh, I, I don't even remember where I was now. Oh, I think of it in this way: if I had a if I had a guy who came and sat down across the desk from me pastorally, uh, you transcribe this for Chase in a moment, uh, and he asked, he said, "Hey, look." Um, you know, my name's 
Jake, but you know, I'm really a girl. I, I think I'm a girl. Um, how would I think? How would I counsel him? And I don't think my first response would be. Hold on, can you go back? I'm trying. I missed. I missed a line. I don't think my first response would be. You're a boy. Quit being ridiculous. I don't think that's how I would pastorally go about the issue. Well, what if you had somebody come into your office and sat down and, I don't know, his name was Jake, and he (laughs) asked you, like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm continuing the joke there. I will say I I struggle to answer this because stuff like this bothers me because it feels like the internet staple of link baiting. It just seems like another guy who wants – clicks on his article because he wants to rant and rave about something. And – and so that's why, you know, I don't like to give a lot of credence to, to stuff like that. But the, the fact of the matter is is the issue of transgenderism is, is not something that's going away. It's something that's going to get more and more prevalent and that churches are going to encounter. Um, maybe not here where the Hall of Dogma Church is, but, but at large, it is. Um, oh, I think we're going to – I mean, yes. I, I, per, I mean, I personally know someone – who I would count a family friend who is is a transgender individual, and and when I hear stories like this, I I personally when I refer to them, I cannot I I struggle to call them their changed name. Yeah, because because did me, they have surgery and everything? In the process, I believe, okay. I, but I I don't know the details. I you know anyway, <laughs> that goes to a whole different, but. I don't like – why are you going to call it absurd? It just – to me, that seems like you're just trying to get a rise out of people. Keep in mind that uh, he is not a, a PhD in philosophy, but he is a philosophy student. And the article is written yeah, from the a most philosophical – Well, I mean, he's using absurd from a philosophical point of view as a logician would. Okay. Look, from a standpoint, it is in terms of its – God created them male and female. There's two genders. There's I'm, I'm you, looking. you can figure this out. This is not hard, and and you're not, you know. I'm trying to look at it pastorally. Of and that, that's what I'm saying. If you're it's, on if you're on the equippingcenter.org and one of y'all write this, I'm going to say, can we please edit that headline? Because pastorally, can we all agree that logically, you know, medically. Aside from that small percentage of people that it's absurd, yes, we can. But what good does it do to to just completely cut yourself off from a group of people that that need the God? And so I'm that's not, why I'm not I was even, pushing back on the the wording. But from a from a philosophical, I get what he's saying. I'm not even saying that you wouldn't. You're going to speak truth to them. Sure, you are a male. God made you a male. Sure. I, I'm not saying you don't speak truth. But Second Corinthians four four says. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Now, he's talking about he's blinded them from the light of the gospel. But I think there, you people, it, it, it should never— I think that blinding never, to the gospel makes these things all okay. Well, yeah. it should never surprise us to me. De- depravity should not surprise us. I'm, I'm yeah. not surprised. I, I can't think of too many times, at least in the last 10 years, that I've been surprised by depravity. It doesn't surprise me what yeah. people do or are capable of doing or what people think. And the enemy of God, Satan, has an amazing ability to twist people's minds to all types of things. And so I'm just saying the lead off to me there, it's the gospel that's pointing people to Christ so that they can see the light of the gospel and understand the truth, not to belittle what they are confused over and say, well, you know, you're an idiot, you're 
you're you're a man and mm-hmm. you know you know here here it is you know you can see that you're a man and, and kind of kind of go about that pro- approach even though that's essentially what I believe mm-hmm. that's essentially what I think I mean the the truth is we're one or the other right but um, I, I just think pastorally it's uh, it's understanding that the enemy is confusing minds and and people need Jesus and maybe we need to meet them where they are and and show them Christ. So. Okay, good deal. Well, I'll say this, uh, about to hand it off to you uh, for the, the slogan segment. I believe ph- philosophically speaking, in a sense that Flores is correct, transgenderism is absurd. But as you guys have rightly pointed out, identifying a disordered desire as absurd or as a disordered desire simply is not enough to free somebody from it. Um, on the other hand, indulging somebody's disorder desire will not make it better and is not healthy. And there are all sorts of studies that talk about the, um, the percentage of suicide amongst, uh, amongst people who've had sex change operations and that sort of thing. And, and it's a devastatingly high percentage. Um, logically speaking, Flores makes a good argument, I think, um, a fairly devastating argument to to transgenderism from a philosophical sense, but that is a question that also needs to be answered pastorally, as you say, Nick. It needs to be answered with truth and with love. And I don't think the church has done a good job of that um, yet, but I think we should. And I don't think the way to do a good job on it is to capitulate and just merely say, oh, you know, it's fine. Uh, I don't think it's fine, but I don't think it's fine that we have not shown love and honor. Uh, and good, uh, good article by Chase uh, this week that uh, we posted to the uh, to our website, where we post a lot of blogs that um, some of the uh, uh, elders here at uh, the Hollow Dogma Church write. It's called the Equipping Center dot org. Not the uh, website is www.equippingcenter.org. A good blog this week that Chase wrote called "Truth and Love: Two Groups of Error." And um, Thanks, where he, he kind of goes a little deeper. I appreciate into you posting the, uh, that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, just wanted to get that out because it was a good article that he wrote. And uh, and when Chase writes stuff or talks about things, I like to pay attention. Just so you know, to me, that's like that's kind of showing him he's got good things to say. So, hey, did you guys see the article I wrote this week about S- speaking the truth in love? Listener feedback section, uh, guys. We've got um, uh, like we said earlier in the plans of. Um, getting a t-shirt together for the uh, gospel friends podcast and uh one of the um one of our main sites the hall of dogma uh we get a lot of feedback there and so they kind of got into a uh, jeremiah martin the um uh who is a creative genius yeah creative genius and former host here on the uh the um in the hall monitor segment, also known as Captain Cadaver, Jeremiah threw out this week to the Hall of Dogma slogans for the Gospel Friends podcast T-shirt. Go! And so we had a lot of good responses, and we're going to get into these. Just want to remind you, you can join the Hall of Dogma rather easily. Just ask, and we will let you in. And then don't act like a crazy person, and you can stay. Uh, you can go to hallofdogma dot com or facebook dot com forward slash. Anybody out yet, David? No. Because uh, well, I had somebody we might were gonna have might were gonna have we to. had a discussion behind the scenes, but we decided for mercy at the time, and they, they left on their own. So, so you know, oh well, oh well. Facebook.com oh, forward week slash Hall of Dogma. Another conference. 
Uh, no, facebook.com forward slash Hall of Dogma. You can also reach us uh, on Twitter at my gospel friends on Twitter. We want to hear your feedback and your comments. And also, if you have comments and feedback about the show um, this week and any of these articles that we've talked about out or how much we've uh, chomped in your ear on this French Toast Crunch cereal. I guess we could call this episode 37 um, Crunch and Controversy. How about that? Ooh. I like my other title so far. Okay. We anyway. Can, uh, crunching. Com- hold on. All right. Here we go, guys. Slogans, should, I, should I put them out there? Slogans for the Gospel crunching. Friends podcast t-shirt from the Hall of Dogma. Uh, Captain Cadaver um, suggested we're huge in Kentucky, which is um, which is true in yeah, a sense. In, in a sense. Other than your hatred for all things bluegrass, as I said this week. Yeah, so Chris Duddard, who was on the show last week, said full of international livers. That's a good one. That's a nice, nice. call back there from Chris. I still um, really enjoy that album artwork. But yes, and that is a callback from way back when uh, Nick got tongue-tied during the uh, one of the the opening segments. Uh, Maybe Lee, why they don't let me talk. How do you say Lee's last name? Lee Strubing, perhaps. I don't know. Have uh, no, it's not Lee. It's Les. I'm sorry, Les. <laughs> Good job, David. <laughs> Les. Awesome. Well, look, not only the first name's easy, and I messed it up. Les Strubing, perhaps. Anyway, Les said we don't always mention SEC football, but when we do, the rest of the country rolls their eyes. I actually like that one. That is a good slogan. That is because um, we get a lot of uh, get a lot of. Um, feedback on our sad sec talk Whoa. have you guys found this post I, in the dude hall i'm no, there are so going. many posts you keep and, going. and I, it's awesome but it's from jeremiah i'm scrolling my fingers getting from february 2nd if you could find it i don't have to be the one to read all of these no, i keep going we're, we're good um emmanuel dude, marsh the general i listen to the Brian gospel you could hold your arms up if you get tired i uh, found it i listened to the gospel french Darn podcast you. and all i got was this lousy t-shirt which is also a good one um, if we ever get the shirts. Chris Atwood posted, there's grace for that, which is kind of funny because we already have that as a, as a slogan on as the Hall of Dogma slog- t-shirt. Slog- Hall of Dogma slogma. church t-shirt. <laughs> That's a whole different slogma. kind of problem. Yeah, slogan on the Hall of Dogma shirt. Jeremiah Martin also suggested to Les that we could we could uh, call that one. We don't always talk about SEC football, but when we do, they get, get beat by Ohio State. Dang it. <laughs> oh, that's heartbreaking. Uh, roll Tide. Joshua Dean, who may uh, join us. Uh, <laughs> I found the post in the Hall of Dogma now. Okay. I was going to say, man. You Glad you guys could catch up. Joshua, Joshua? Dean, who um, is going to join us in uh, for a future Hall Monitor. Did you confirm that? I did. I, nice. I got him. So I, I am... Uh, I, that's my part of the Is show. Is that why you were late to lunch and then subsequently late to record? You were no, locking that I was, date down? I was working on something else with Joshua this afternoon. Okay. But uh, I did. Uh, I did. That, that, so that's one of the things I bring to the table. Um, recording personality extraordinaire. And I also line up the hall monitor guest. Joshua Dean's well, going to be on for you did talk doing the show. That's true. Uh, he says, on the front, the Gospel Friends podcast, because there are worse things to which you could listen. And on the back, two worse things than listening to the Gospel Friends podcast, Rob Bell. Creed, also the Paul Feinbaum show. So. <laughs> good. Paul? Good. Um, the Gospel Friends podcast, why not? That's also a good one. Chris Edward Atwood had a good one. The Gospel Friends podcast, we couldn't decide on a slogan that marked out with uh, an asterisk and edit point underneath. I love it. I like Emmanuel's, though. Edit point. Emmanuel, that one may be my favorite. 
Because if you can sit through God's Not Dead, you can sit through anything. Yes, that's that pretty good. Be. But there are a lot of uh, uh, what is it? The, there are a lot of dogma pounders that actually like that movie, uh, like me. I don't think they're called dogma pounders. Or you don't think so? No. Is Whoa. that what? No, that's what the they're called the dogma wants. pound, but well, I don't think we call them dogma the dogma pounders. pounders. <laughs> I thought we were called it the Hall of Dogma, but that's oh, okay. Yes, but the people in the Hall of Dogma. So Tony will refer to them as the dogma pound. Which Chase just changed into the Dogma Pounders. Yeah, well, I like that one. What are the dogmatics? Joshua had another one on down. The Gospel Friends podcast, Why Are You Touching My Soda? Don't Touch My Soda. <laughs> That's a great one. Today it would be cereal. That was that well, one now you're stealing my, uh, my cereal. That's even worse than touching my soda. Uh, <laughs> you should keep your hands to yourself more often. Tony Vance, The Gospel <laughs> Friends, one and a half hours of less time to let Nick speak. Hey, that's a good one. Keep your... Oh, I listened to uh, Jeff Hendricks. I listened to the Gospel Friends podcast, and I never got my box of cereal. So Hey, that's that's also... Wow. That would pretty much Accurate. be... Joshua Dean not sucking the life out of Sunday morning since 2014. <laughs> yes. Nice. Which is that's also beautiful. good. Hey, I've got a good one. The Gospel Friends podcast. We may not be the best podcast... But we're better than the last one you listened to. I was just going to kind of leave it hanging. Oh, that's no, okay. I'm sorry. That was a um, Hall of Dogma church slogan that got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to say our church slogan was something along those lines. That would be a great church slogan. We right. should put that on the sign. Yes. And just see what happens. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris Studdard again, the Gospel Friends podcast where we go standing up. That was a <laughs> callback from... Call back from episode 36 there. Oh, that's great. By the way, I love... Who was it? Um, No, someone tweeted us this week. Um, Who was it? Tweeted us and actually tweeted out to Pastor Anderson and and us at the same time. Oh, boy. Oh, shoot. Who was it? Um, Was it... It wasn't Chris Land, was it? No, it wasn't Chris. He's a he's a good regular tweeter. Um, I'll find it in a minute, but it was was pretty funny. They... um, So they started... They they tweeted out to us and also tweeted out to... uh, Pastor Anderson, who is the guy that was on the um, the audio last week that we played. Yeah, the one that you really raked over the coals. I did. I think I may have referred to him as a joke. <laughs> that was great. So, uh, by the way, oh, Michael Woodard. Oh, That's yeah. Good old Michael, Michael Woodard. So, but it was, I, I did, Michael uh, gave us a video of, um, I haven't watched all of it yet. I went and started watching just a little bit, but it was... Um, I think it's going to be really good. James so he, White takedown. Yeah, it was like James yeah. White inter, being interviewed by um, Pastor Anderson out there. I've watched and, the first five so, or ten minutes, and James White is standing there going, keep it up. Keep it up. No. And it's yeah, just like it's, uh, waiting for it's Anyway, I want to watch the whole thing. Yeah. So anyway, I um, – but uh, I, I did – you know, think that was uh, and and look, the, the gospel friends listeners will do that to us. That's not the first time that's happened where they will tweet at us plus someone that we've talked about on the hey, show. Get us in trouble there, and uh, and and uh, reply to them too. So, All right. good stuff. Um, I'm actually really considering using some of these for the t-shirt now. We never did talk about how we were going to land the plane today, so I thought I would share a story that happened uh, a few months ago that had to do with my dog. All right. No. So we so are got some. Oh, dang it. I just thought maybe you guys weren't listening. I could slip it in. Good uh, controversial episode today. Um, thank you for all the people that tweeted uh, to us from um, last week or uh some Facebook messages. I was trying to look through, see if... Um, yeah, we did kind of a crummy job adding uh, Twitter messages Brad Melton tweeted to us, for, uh, enjoyed episode 36, like I enjoy all episodes 
of the Gospel Friends in my private place while peeing sitting down. Awesome. Number 36 is my number one favorite. I don't know if y'all saw what he did there. (laughs) I see what he did there. Uh, But that was uh, good stuff. Sean uh, Francis uh, tweeted us about our French toast review, which is I just tweeted out just a minute ago. Yeah. He says, tasty and a childhood favorite, but tends to get soggy in milk. That's true. That's why I only gave it a four. See, I was afraid of that. Sean gave it a three and a half, uh, and and well scored there, Adhesive Wombat. Maybe you're right. Chris Studdard pointed out last week, so Chase sent out episode 36. He said, episode 36, especially bad preaching and how to avoid it with Chris Studdard. And Chris came back and said, my preaching ain't that bad. It's true. That was a good... um, Kind of a maybe a you should have reworded that just maybe I, I will say this it is difficult to be a bad preacher with a British accent because you kind of automatically get a boost with with a British accent there that really helps. Jared Buckley at Jared Buckley said uh, saw this video clip a couple of years ago talking about the Anderson clip speechless not preaching but I couldn't help but laugh. Jared is uh, going to be on the show with future us, guest hopefully here in. Uh, in a couple of weeks, so we appreciate hearing from him. Yeah, Richie Devote asked us to uh, pray for him. He's got his first big test in college this week. Mm-hmm. May the Lord grant you Absolutely. much grace and favor on that, Richie. Tony Staley at Tony Staley said, Not ashamed to say I teared up a bit during the text scene of God's Not Dead. Uh, Tony, you shouldn't have told Chase and Nick that. They will now make fun of you. Um, probably both on and off the air. As if we are the harshest critics of that particular show. Uh, you are movie of the people who normally record every week. At uh, Anonymous mm-hmm. Church members said, uh, at my gospel friends, haha, just got to the ending of the podcast. I am not David Platt, sorry. Which is exactly what David Platt would say Precisely. tweeting under an anonymous account. That's why I tweeted him back and said, yeah, right, Dave, David, hashtag radical. Yeah, so. And he didn't reply, <laughs> thus proving himself to be David Platt. Hashtag radical, really? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty lame, I guess, but I was trying to be <laughs> That's funny. probably why I didn't tweet you back, because, you know, that wasn't uh, a great response. By the way, I think I figured out who one of the Anon accounts that we interact with a lot this week was. Well, but you, I'll tell you off there. You can't tell us on the air. No, though. that would be bad, but I, I'll tell you off there. At Tony Staley also tweeted us and said, uh, just past Paducah, Kentucky, not nearly as bad as you guys make it out to be. So <laughs> that's good for you all to know. Yep. Since you all talk about it all the time. Look, I think I have actually been to Paducah. Thank you very much. You tweeted that I hadn't. I think I've driven through it one time. I just tweeted because you were like, it's just David that hates Paducah, which I don't hate Paducah. I just you do. You're the one that the one that brought that up. It was just you started it. It was just a joke. You started the Paducah fire. It was a joke and just clowning around and having some fun. I just, I mean, we're from you know deep South Alabama. We're not going to make fun of a lot of people. Are you but, making fun of Alabama now? <laughs> but you were just like, well, look, if we can't make fun of ourselves, everybody else will. So, well, that's a good point. You you were just like, oh, you know, David hates Paducah. We all love it. I'm like, you haven't even been to Paducah. You don't I, know I if you love I've it or not. It. You're just pandering to the crowd. He loves the idea of Paducah. I do. I like Kentucky in general. That is a pretty state. How about uh, Justin Johnson? I'm not sure if we've heard from uh, Justin before. At Justin3341, he's just responding to my tweet from earlier. Already on my second box of French Toast Crunch, my kids devoured the first box in a day. <laughs> That's cute. So, yeah. Speaking of devouring cereal. a box of cereal in a day, my kids this week killed a box of uh, Fruit Loops with marshmallows. And if you guys haven't tried that, it is decadent. Almost a five-spoon cereal. Mm, it's That's good. What is it again? 
uh, Fruit Loops with marshmallows. I'm about as healthy as a as a as a greasy donut slathered in lard, but boy, is it tasty. I actually like the um, – you, you put that picture out, talked about how unhealthy the um, hamburger on the donut is, and I really want to try that. I just – I mean, I love donuts, but a, a hamburger with a donut patty says – I mean, donut for – I don't know. That's kind of mm. weird to me. Some things don't mix. I still want to try the chicken, bacon, cheese. The fried chicken where the chicken I think we did patties. that from one yeah. of the earlier shows. Oh, Good stuff. That looks kind of gross to me, too. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Thanks to everybody who tweeted us this week or uh, joined us in the hall. Tons of great discussion in the hall of dogma this week. Um, I don't think we as a uh, as a crew were as active out there this week as in previous no, weeks. No, the three of us were really um, let the hall we, down We dropped week. the ball this week. We had are a, sorry. We love you guys. I had a lot uh, going on and so weren't able to get out there as much. But, uh, oh, man, I never got to the Pastor Ed Young thing. Oh, yeah, I saw I was Chris gonna, Land had posted that in one yeah. of the person so about Ed, baptizing the book. Yeah. Ed Young is going to baptize copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. So really, that'll take care of that issue. You know, we'll just baptize some copies of it, dump them in water. Next week, I'm make, a, big, make a big show out did of it. Did he say why he was going to do that? Because that Cause just it's a perverted, sounds silly. Because it's a perverted book. So we're going to baptize it, which what? will, I guess, not make it a perverted book. I don't know. Look, I'm I'm being just see. That's the kind of thing that gives this that does make it sound like Christians are on a witch hunt, because we do silly stunts to try to counteract the cultural thing that we're upset about, and and that just you know you don't need to baptize the books. Just preach the gospel. You don't need to get some of them and burn them or baptize them or blow them up with a potato gun. You can just. <laughs> Well, I, I would have preferred blowing it up with a potato gun. We should do that gun? next Sunday. No. <sighs> Dude, I have, awesome. man. It's like a stinking bazooka. Yes, and you can you make were, it in your backyard. You had a printed copy of the Anarchist Cookbook as a teenager, too. How did you know that? Have I ever told you that? Safe bet. Well, it's true. <laughs> I really did. I still do somewhere. Anyway, so. Oh, boy. All right, Ed, more power to you, buddy. Or not. Hey, or you know not. one of your best friends is like a, one of our best friends is, one, is like a big fan of Ed Young. So you're probably going to get, you know, email yeah, you think, about that. Thank you, Dave. Maybe so. And a listener to the show. Shout out to you, John Talley. John, if you're going to take up for Ed on that one, more power to you. Yeah. All right, guys. I guess uh, this about wraps it up for episode 37. We didn't specifically target any so group today, something. but I imagine our uh, our the controversial uh, topics we covered are enough to have ticked off half, our, half of our listeners, which is you know generally our goal. Did you? <laughs> what did you just say? I said half, half our listeners, half of our listeners, which okay. <laughs> sounded a little sketchy, didn't I, it? I'm, uh, listen, I think we should end right there. I think Nick almost swore earlier too, but it, he didn't. What? Why are you? <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted some company under the bus. All right, let's just get to the end of this. Join us next week when you might hear David say, "Hey, look, someone's sinning." Pass me a potato gun. <laughs> that That's a good line. Funny. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.